My name is Victoria Binningfield, and I'm 17 years old, and I am realizing that it's a lot scarier to share your testimony in front of an entire congregation rather than just a few friends. And to help that, I have nothing written at all. Um, so this is going to be fun for all of us, I'm sure. Um, so one thing leading up to this testimony is that everyone showed a lot of faith in me that I would be really, really good because I do speech and debate at school. But the thing is that speech and debate is in my comfort zone because it's talking about the world and countries and politics and government and all that. And this is very much outside of my comfort zone. Whoa, there's a <laughs> hole in the stage. Uh, <laughs> But that oftentimes kind of describes my testimony, is being out of my comfort zone, but God always providing. So for example, I struggle a lot with anxiety, and it's really terrifying sometimes because you feel like no one really understands what you're going through, and you feel really, you feel really alone and afraid and sick. And so that kind of, I let define me sometimes, but this spring break, I had the opportunity to go serve in Belize, and chances are you've probably heard a lot about this trip already. We fundraised for a few months on the patio, we've given testimonies, you've seen videos and pictures, but I'm going to talk about it a little bit more, so hang on. So this was a really scary trip for me to sign up for because for someone with anxiety, going to a foreign country for nine days with none of your family members is kind of scary. But it turned out that God not only provides for me in Austin, Texas, but also in Belize. And throughout the week, I was shown again and again his goodness and his faithfulness in that. For example, one night we had the opportunity to go eat dinner at family's houses in the neighborhood where we, were where we were building this church. And it was this really beautiful moment of fellowship and I was so excited for it. We had been waiting several days to get to meet these families and they were cooking for us and we were gonna go eat in their homes. But right before we left, I got really anxious about it. And for no particular reason, anxiety has a way of doing that. And I just started crying and sobbing, and I, I wanted to stay behind for a while because I thought, I can't do this. This is, this is outside of my comfort zone. This is, this is uncomfortable. I don't know these people, and I'm scared. But through a lot of prayer and through the help of every single person on our team, I went, and I walked into this house, and immediately I felt that God was so present there. We ate dinner with his family, and it was one of my favorite experiences of this trip. We got to talk with not only the husband and wife, but also their three children, and then neighbors started coming in just randomly and bringing more food, and, and we ate fish that was just a whole fish that they had gone out to a swamp and caught and fried for us. And as someone who doesn't like fish at all, that was an adventure, but I ate it. Um, and just again and again, God has said, just let your heart look for me because I will always be there. And on the last night of Belize, I lied, I have one thing written down, and it's a journal entry from the last night we were in Belize. And we were on this private island, and it was beautiful and amazing and so much fun. Um, and, and reflecting back upon the week and all the anxiety that I felt and how many times God was there, I just scribbled this really messily on a page of my journal, and it says, you will always be larger and more powerful and stronger than my anxiety. You will always be my shelter and my unconditional love. 
You always walk before me and beside me. I'm never alone and afraid when I have you. You are always with me. And I just started scribbling that out on my journal page. And last night, frantically at one in the morning, trying to find words to say, this page fell out of my journal. And suddenly it was clear that I can trust God no matter what I'm out of my comfort zone, whether it's in Belize or whether it's on a rainy Sunday in Austin, Texas. He will always provide. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, my name is Noah Genovese. I currently attend uh, Austin High School as a senior, uh, but thankfully soon I will attend the number one university in the world, UT, hook em. Um <laughs> And uh, today I'm going to talk about um, how I have kind of seen God guide me through my life and even really before my life started. Um, so it kind of started off um, with how my mom and dad met because um, that's how I came to be. And um, so it started off uh, my dad's father, um, Bob Genovese, um, currently at the time had terminal kidney cancer. He was given a few weeks to live. He was put on hospice. Um, the doctors basically said, you know, might as well sell all of his stuff, you know, so they didn't even have any clothes for him. They sold everything because um, they said he was, he just had a few more weeks to live. So you might as well get rid of everything and, uh, and, and start thinking about what to do next. And um, miraculously, uh, he went to bed one night, uh, woke up that next morning, they ran some tests, and his white blood count, uh, white blood cell count had somehow skyrocketed. And they were looking at it, they were like, okay, this is weird. We didn't, like, we didn't do anything to him. It just kind of went up. And the very next day or a few days later, um, he kind of sits up, looks at my dad, and he's like, um, I'd, I'd really like a hamburger. Um, let's go get a hamburger. This is the same guy who was on hospice who they said was going to have two weeks to live. And so they went and got a hamburger, walked out, and, you know, sooner or later, they put him off hospice, and he's been fine ever since. He's still living today. And that was about 20 years ago. Um, at the time, yeah, it's crazy. Um, so at the time, my mom was an investigative reporter. And she heard about the story um, through the church. Uh, she went to the same church as uh, my dad's father. And she said, I really, really want to interview this man. Like, what has it been like to be put on hospice, find, like thinking that you are going to die, and then come back and be able to spend your life with your family again? Um, and so she interviewed him, she talked to him, and at the end she said, you know, if there's anything I can ever do to you, do for you, like, let me know, because I'd be more than willing to help you out. And I said, you know, I do have one thing you can do for me. I want you to meet my son. And so, <laughs> and then two years later I was born. Um, and so, <laughs> and so uh, that's kind of how everything's been guided. It's, it's just crazy how like that one miracle led to somehow my brother and I being here today, me being able to speak to you today. Um, Later on in my life, uh, I, uh, I ended up moving here. Um, I've only been living here for about three years now, and I moved here at the glorious time of halfway through my freshman year of high school. Um, and uh, that was really, really hard for me, because I was living in Tennessee at the time, and like my, like my grade itself only had 70 kids in it. And the whole entire school only had about 400. And I'm now at Austin High, where there are more than 400 kids in my grade. And so going from that super small school to that super huge school, halfway through the year, when no one knew me, I didn't know anyone, um, no one really wanted to know me, it was really, really tough for me um, to start out. And uh, for that first semester uh, that I was there, I, uh, I kind of sat by myself, I didn't really do much. I came to school as late as possible, left as early as possible. Um, just to get home and try to think about other things besides school, because I just didn't want to be there. And um, the following year, um, I joined marching band. 
And if you don't know anything about marching band, it's kind of like a cult. Um, they really do. Uh, everyone there is like super tight knit. And any of you guys that are in a high school or or have been in marching band in the past, you know it's like you know everyone like that's where all your friends are. That you know like no one dates outside of marching band. That's kind of weird. Um, and uh, and so that was just the perfect place for me. I was like, great. Like if there's ever an organization where I could meet people, it would be marching band. And that's exactly what happened. I've met some of the greatest friends I'll ever have in my life there, and uh, that kind of really helped me because I had that social outlet. Now I could start focusing on schoolwork and extracurriculars and all these other things. Um, my senior year, uh, I, uh, I auditioned to be a drum major. I got it, and uh, it's been a great time for me to be able to lead my marching band. And um, one of the things that I've noticed um, is that there are always kids that come in, and they are loners. They don't know, like, they don't know anyone. Um, they just kind of seem like they're always isolated. And no one was really kind of reaching out to them like they had to me when I was in that position. And so that was kind of that turning on moment for me where I was like, this is why I am where I am. Like, I'm supposed to go, I'm supposed to help these kids. And so every Tuesday during lunch, um, I would just kind of invite kids, they would come sit with me and uh, come hang out. And that was kind of that, that place where we could, you know, I could meet kids, I could show them uh, other people. And I couldn't help but think that, um, that the reason for me having to go through the struggle that I did that first semester that I was there was so that I could then in return help those other kids. Um, and so uh, that's kind of where I've seen God in my life. And looking back, I can always see how God has been putting the right people in the right place for me, always putting me in the right situation so I can do exactly what he needs me to do. Um, and so that's what I'm going to ask you guys to do today is just to really think about where in your life have you seen God at work? Because trust me, it can either be something really, really big, like being terminally ill and then somehow still being alive 20 years later, um, or it can be really small, as just being able to meet other people and introduce them to others. Thank you. Hello. Uh, my name is Mackenzie Green, and I'm a junior at Connolly High School. Um, I'm sure everyone knows that high school, especially the last two years, are a time when you have to make a lot of decisions about your future when you don't necessarily feel qualified to do so. And so it's been a challenge trying to start looking at colleges and decide not only what, I'm, what activities I'm going to do as a high schooler, but what I'm going to go into after. And so that can be a time where you feel a little bit directionless, like you, you're not sure exactly where you're going. And I was feeling that way a little bit when one day I was having a meeting with Whitney Bell. We were talking about the leadership program that they have in the youth, and she told me that they were thinking they're probably going to have a trip to Belize. And I remember just feeling like I had never felt such a strong feeling of, I'm going to be there. That's where I need to be. I know that God is intending me to go. And I just felt it right away. And I knew it was going to happen. And I was so happy that it worked out and I was able to go. And while I was there, I just realized that I've always believed that God knows what he's doing in my life and, and everything around me. But while we were there, he just proved it to me over and over again and everything, because there was a lot of situations where it was like, this is probably not ideal, but then once you, once you get to the end of it, you realize that it was exactly how God planned it, and it was exactly how it needed to be, 
like our first work day, it had rained a lot the night before and the work site was just like this clay dirt and it was like mud, like inches and inches of mud that day. And within 30 minutes of being there, I fell in a hole and my shoes looked like they came out of the Black Lagoon. They looked like some type of swamp creature. And I was like, well, this isn't the most comfortable situation I've ever been in. But by the end of the week, we were pretty exhausted. And after a night of Indian food, none of us were feeling great. <laughs> and I was like, it's a good thing that mud happened the first day, because I don't think we could have handled it right now. God knew what he was doing there. And then the first night, we went to church in Belize. We were shocked by how long it was, and it was all in Spanish, and we ended up being there for three hours, which we did not expect, because obviously that's not what we're used to from here. <laughs> and it was a little bit discouraging to like be in the church service and see all the people around you who are just passionate and singing with their hearts for three hours and feeling like, just not into it because you're tired and it's a whole culture shock and you've been traveling. And, it's, and I just felt like I want to be feeling this passion and like this love for God that these people are feeling around me, but right now I'm just really exhausted. But two days later, we went to dinner at the church member's house like Victoria mentioned. And I went to a different family's house where there were two, the two parents and then they had two young daughters and neither of the parents spoke English. So our construction manager who was from Belize came with us and he was translating. And um, we were with Nathan and he asked um, the wife, what would you like us to take back with us? What would you like us to know about your culture and your church and your community? And she said, I want you to know that we have a lot of needs here. We have a lot of physical needs, but that's not the place where we need the most prayer and the most help. The, the biggest need we have is a spiritual need. And it was just a beautiful moment because we can't fix all the problems in Belize. There's like everywhere you look, there's just need and suffering. And we can't save everyone. We can't fix all of that, but we can offer them a spiritual support. And that's the one thing we really can truly give them day after day through prayer and communication. And it was just wonderful to me that the one thing that we can give them is the one thing they asked for that they felt like they needed the most. And that just made the trip for me that we were able to offer them what they felt they really needed. everyone. Good morning. Um, my name is Emily Banks. For those of you that don't know me, I'm 17 and a junior in high school. Um, I spoke last year doing the same thing and focused mainly on my experiences with the Zambia mission team. And since I'm pretty sure most of you all heard that, this year I'm going to try and talk a little bit more about the journey trip we had last year. So I was born into a Christian family. Um, I was actually baptized by my grandfather, who's sitting right there. Um, he's a retired Presbyterian minister, and he is definitely a ginormous leader and role model in my life for um, how I want to live as a Christian. 
Um, moving here when I was three years old, we went church shopping and, of course, found Covenant Presbyterian. Um, I was in the children's Sunday school classes and um, preschool. And as the child that did not like leaving her mother, the Petersons carried me up and down the hallway day after day for about a year. <laughs> and finally, growing up and moving on from that, joined the choirs um, with Alice Sessai as my director. And then when the Children's Handbells program started up again, I joined with Linda Rutherford. And then turning 12 and joining the sixth grade and moving on to middle school, I got to join the Journey Youth Choir. Um, as a child that was a little bit shy, joining the, uh, the youth choir was a fun experience, but since I wasn't very involved with the youth ministry, I didn't really have any friends. So I joined and struggled with trying to go every week. My mom wanted me to make a support group, and I didn't really want to. Um, so every week I went, and I noticed maybe a month in, Marjana Madian um, decided she was going to be my friend. Um, <laughs> so I finally had a friend that made me want to come every week. Um, and so I actually enjoyed my time. And with her friendship and support, she made me try out for a solo in eighth grade, which turned into more solos and more fun in the program until finally I decided to run for officer um, and actually made the position of VP of missions. So when we finally convinced Ms. Curtis to take us on tour, uh, we knew we needed to have a mission contribution. So of course we went to churches that didn't have youth programs. So we sang at three different churches where they had maybe adult choirs, but not youth choirs. So they got the unique opportunity to have a youth choir for a day. And the reactions from the churches were extraordinarily positive. I know for sure the first church we went to, um, my family's tiny little church, Raymond Methodist, in a tiny little town in Louisiana, loved it. I went back about six months after our tour and they were still talking about us. <laughs> and they're still asking, when are you coming back? Are y'all coming back in a few years? Can you come back and see us on the farms? Can you come back and see us working with our horses? Um, and I know that most of the Journey people would love that. Um, and when we moved on and left, we left with their prayers and support and moved on to New Orleans. And in New Orleans, we of course did the touristy, cliched trips in the French Quarter and went to Café du Monde and had delicious breakfast. And then we went into um, a beautiful old-fashioned cathedral church. And we were standing there and the front was closed off so we couldn't go and stand on the pulpit like we wanted to. But um, standing in the aisle of the church, we decided to sing one of our songs that we had taken on tour we decided to sing Peace I Give to You. Um, and so slowly, one by one, joining in, we sang it. And it sounded beautiful, there was great acoustics, and we were like, yeah, that was fun. And as we were getting ready to leave, 
um, an older woman came up to our group and was like in tears and she had been praying and she came up and she just said, thank you. Thank you so much. That really meant a lot. And I think that was the first real moment on the trip that people in the choir really noticed, okay, yeah, this is a service. We're doing something here. And then a few days later, um, Journey went to go sing at a children's mental hospital. Uh, we went, and as it was for, I think, like nine-year-olds through 17-year-olds, there were the young kids in the front looking excited and happy to see new people. And then there were the teenagers lounging in the back of the room, staring out the window, acting like they were too cool for this. And they really didn't pay attention. And then we started singing. And slowly, they started scooting forward and straightening up and looking towards us. And it was amazing to watch as by the end of the program, um, they were singing along to the more known hymns that they were dancing in their seats and their eyes were shining and the nurses that were standing on the wall had tears in their eyes because they were so happy to see this joy reflected in their children. Um, that was a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for our choir and the story behind it is also interesting because we had called to try and sing at a children's hospital and accidentally called the wrong number. We were actually gonna go to just to the normal children's hospital and sing for patients. And when Miss Curtis got on the phone, they were like, oh, well, you know this is the mental and like behavioral hospital, right? She was, yeah, I know. <laughs> and of course, that was a total God moment. Um, because what better to do than to go sing for the people that need that joy, that need that uplifting spirit. So looking back on my life, as I've grown through my faith, through the plethora of opportunities this church has given me, I can look back and see God in almost actually every moment of my life from being born into the family I was blessed with, to finding this wonderful church, to my friends group, to the mission opportunities I found, and I'm thankful for God for every moment of it. Thank you.